your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass, caught, one, yeah, first down, hits on the 20, 15, shoots the defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska, Juan Dale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Bit of a change-up tonight. No Greg Sharp in the chair. He might be in a chair, but not his chair. You're stuck with me and Josh Hilkeman here tonight. As you heard there in the ticker, the big news regarding college football and the Big Ten stance on the coronavirus and our first look at a response uh, with the coronavirus. And this was rumored to come down the pike yesterday. We heard the Big Ten announce on it today that will drive a lot of the show here tonight. Joining us here in mere moments, Nebraska Chancellor Ronnie Green, who put out a joint statement earlier today. We'll hear the thoughts from Nebraska's chancellor, along with the thought process of Nebraska President Ted Carter and also Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose. So uh, we'll get the stance on Nebraska and really the conversations that were had with the league here very, very shortly with Nebraska Chancellor Ronnie Green. Also coming up here this hour, we'll talk with Therese Paler, who's the senior NFL reporter for Yahoo Sports, covers the Chiefs and all things National Football League. We'll get his thoughts on the Patrick Mahomes deal that went down and really what type of trend this could be in the National Football League moving forward. Uh, regarding contracts, especially with the quarterbacks as well. So we'll switch gears a little bit here this hour. We'll have our Sports Nightly Flicks picks coming up here in hour number one. Also in hour two of the show, Teddy Greenstein from the Chicago Tribune will stop by in his weekly slot. And Teddy uh, will give his thoughts on the situation that is now uh, Big Ten football in 2020. And I know Teddy uh, was primed to, to break this story yesterday, but due to some unfortunate circumstances at the Chicago Tribune, had to sit on it. Uh, but we'll get Teddy's thoughts on this and really what he's heard from his sources about Big Ten football and the direction that they are now going with football next season. We'll go seven on seven here tonight as well. And also take your calls at 866-HUSKER-1-866-HUSKER-1. 487-5371. That is our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Well, uh, just before 4 o'clock today, the Big Ten Conference put out a statement regarding the 2021 fall season. I'll recap that here very quickly before our chat with Nebraska Chancellor Ronnie Green. And I'm not going to read the entire thing, but hit on a couple of the key points We are facing uncertain and unprecedented times, and the health, safety, and wellness of our student-athletes, coaches, game officials, and others associated with our sports programs and campuses remain our number one priority. This next sentence is key. To that end, the Big Ten Conference announced today that if the conference is able to participate in fall sports based on medical advice, it will move to conference-only schedules in those sports. Pretty loaded sentence right there. Um, to make her sure to highlight if fall sports do indeed happen. And then, of course, the, the news that a conference-only schedule 
will happen. De- details for these sports will be released at a later date, while decisions on sports not listed above will be continue to be evaluated. And then another quick uh, little section of this, you scroll down in the, uh, in the release here. This decision was made following many thoughtful conversations over several months between the Big Ten Council of Presidents and the chancellors, directors of athletics, conference office staff, and medical experts, including the Big Ten Task Force for Emergent Infectious Diseases and the Big Ten Sports Medicine Committee. So a lot of different entities came together on this, and the most notable little section here over several months. So this has been in the hopper for a long time with the conference and all these different entities. Uh, there's there's another brief, couple of brief paragraphs, but the last sentence here I feel is important to highlight as well. As we continue to focus on how to play this season in a safe and responsible way, based on the best advice of medical experts, we are also prepared not to play in order to ensure the health, safety, and wellness of our student-athletes should the circumstances so dictate. So this is approximately a six or seven paragraph statement that the Big Ten Conference put out today. And twice uh, they made notice that if a fall season were to occur and also they are prepared to not play in the fall. So my first question that I had when I found out that the Big Ten was going to release a statement was the types of contingency plans that would follow in case a season would not happen. Uh, If this was the only plan that was discussed clearly by this statement, the answer to that question is no. Uh, They they have already uh, factored in that there may not be a season, but this is the, the, the first step that they will take towards Uh, the answer to the question that everybody has, will there be football or even fall sports, period? The Big Ten kind of casting a blanket on that, at least for the time being, uh, until you know we can get uh, further down the road and more information under our belt and more decisions to be made. But we expected an announcement from the conference based on the reporting of Tom Deanhart yesterday, who is a writer for Black and Gold at Purdue, uh, rival site. He worked at Big Ten Network before that. He had uh, released yesterday the conversations that he had with a quote-unquote Power Five head coach. Boy, I wonder who that was. Um, about the situation that was happening with Big Ten football, of course, our friend Teddy Greenstein had uh, some information on that as well as the Athletics' Nicole Auerbach, who uh, put that tweet out today too. So we're expecting to hear something from the Big Ten today. And, and we have it. We have the information now in front of us that the Big Ten will go to conference-only games. And as Austin told you in the ticker, that removes the three non-conference games off of Nebraska's schedule. And, and that, that, without a doubt, will have an impact to all of those universities based on the contracts that Nebraska had with them uh, and the check that Nebraska, excuse me, Nebraska would write to those programs and instead Nebraska will go to a Big Ten only slate and again as Austin told you rumors surfacing about how many games could potentially be uh, in this conference only slate obviously we know Nebraska right now scheduled for nine conference games will that stay the same will it grow if will it grow by how many will there be uh, any of those buffer weeks that we heard could potentially be involved with uh, the situation of something had to be changed so they'd be postponed particular teams getting sick uh could could there be any fluid games I, i'm not sure that 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 is feasible 
but it is something that was uh, talked about uh, and rumored yesterday as well. So some of the details of this still, obviously, we have to iron out, but um, the big one that, that teams specifically not in the Big Ten – uh, need to prepare for, especially with with their scheduling, um, it, it all affected here today. Something that I feel like we do need to bring up with this too is that there is no way the Big Ten acted alone in this. In that those entities that I w- that I was saying that made this decision, the athletic directors, members of the conference, the health task force, uh, all of those. They weren't just in a room by themselves. There's no doubt the Big Ten has had conversations with the ACC, the Pac-12, the SEC. Uh, I, I would be shocked if the Big Ten are, are is the only conference that puts something like this into place. Now, I can't speak for the Southeastern Conference, but we've, um, again, as we heard in the ticker, the, the movement that we've had with uh, the, S, the ACC, rather, of postponing all of the the, the movements until – the the fall sports until at least September 1st uh, with potential that uh, that they could move to a conference only schedule as well we have heard from a couple of reporters in the big 12 that their conference officials have talked about it but not willing to make that decision and commit to that decision right now as well so the big 10 kind of standing by and going to play it more by ear than the Big Ten Conference did. So definitely a a situation that uh, the Big Ten gets out in front of, and they're the first ones to make this decision. I'm thinking back to where we were at in March when it came time to uh, pull the plug on some of these events. Big Ten was one of the last conferences that that made any headway on any type of announcement uh, as as a conference-wide pulling of the plug so to speak of any sports in the springtime so the big 10 uh taking the first initiative today that's just the first domino in my opinion uh i think there are going to be more to follow how heavy are the dominoes i'm not sure i mean the big 10 seems like a pretty light domino compared to what the ivy league announced yesterday by pulling the plug on all fall sports so more will be uh, followed from this. There's no doubt about it. And we will be eager to see how uh, the other conferences follow suit. And even even it for me, more so, the attention goes to what happens to the athletic departments that uh, are not as well off financially as a lot of these Power 5 schools like Nebraska, specifically uh, schools in the MAC, um, you know, schools that are scheduled to make millions of dollars based on one or two games that they'll travel to go play these Power 5 schools. Now they're not getting those checks. They're already dealing with financial difficulty with COVID-19 as it is, but uh, even more so now uh, not going to receive their checks or at least play the games uh, in this type of situation. Josh, let's pull you in here now. Um, let's just start first with you know, your reaction to uh, the restatement today. I think we all expected it, but uh, when you read through this, what was some of the first things that jumped into your mind about uh, the direction of the Big Ten and really what you know, this could potentially mean for college football here very soon? Yeah, there is. There are a lot of things, and I, to me, it, it. I read it. I actually read the statement from Nebraska first before the Big Ten statement, so it was a little bit out of order um, as the Nebraska statement came about ten minutes after the one from the Big Ten, and so I, I you know, it was a little bit out of out of context, and so I, the the Big Ten statement was gave a little bit more background to that 
So I, I'll give that up front. But yeah, there, there were a lot of thoughts that went through my mind. I think that it seems like there's a lot of uncertainty, uncertainty on part of the, on the part of the big 10 conference, but they at least talked through a lot of different ideas and possibilities of how fall sports could possibly go. And they came to a, a, you know, kind of a, it seemed like a conclusive decision about what they were going to do, at least going forward. And to me, it makes a lot of sense the way that they described it. I I can't remember what the exact wording is. I have it in front of me and I could find it. But basically the fact that they have a lot of control over what is going to happen and can make decisions at a moment's notice, whereas you know, if, if you're playing non-conference games and something changes with the, you know, the course of coronavirus, then, you know, you're going to have to pull in two different institutions and two different conferences possibly. Whereas this there, they can make a, a pretty quick decision about, uh, you know, changing dates of games and possibly pushing things back or whatever. So I think that that makes a lot of sense in my mind. Um, but to me, there's still just so much uncertainty about what what's going to actually happen. I'm glad that there's at least something conclusive, something that has been stated, something that's put, been put out there of, okay, here's the plan. And we're probably going to have to change that plan going forward. But I think I was on with, you know, Greg a, a couple of weeks ago when you were out um, uh, when your baby was born. And I, I told him then that, you know, you just want something, you want something to go off of some sort of a plan and a direction of, of the way things are going to go. And then you can kind of build off of that, but it's at least good to have something in writing something official from the conference of of where things are going to go yeah i mean it's definitely a, a something in a situation now where it's i'm almost anxious to see what happens next because th- this is really just the first piece of news that is put in front of our laps we've just been speculating and wondering and trying to trace down rumors at this point this is really the first time that we've had actual substantial uh, information from the actual conference so Uh, That's the big news of the day and certainly affects Nebraska, the people of Nebraska, the state of Nebraska. uh, They're going to be not a full schedule. There's not going to be as many home games in Lincoln this year. We do know that for 100% certainty. So the Big Ten announcing that uh, just about two hours ago that uh, change is coming for the 2020-2021 season. Next, we go to the National Football League next and welcome on to the program now Therese Paylor, who's a senior NFL reporter for Yahoo Sports, host of the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. Therese, first of all, thanks for joining us tonight, man. Hopefully things are all good in your world and you're finding a way to keep yourself busy during this time. I am. I am. Same to you, man. Definitely a busy time, but uh, uh, especially as sports are kind of ramping up in the NFL. But, but things are good, man. Thanks for asking. Yeah, you bet. Well, you you were all over uh, Patrick Mahomes' signing with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I know you've spent a lot of time covering the Chiefs from that area. Uh, let's just start first with the obvious, Therese. Both sides needed to get this done. The Chiefs weren't going to let Mahomes go. Mahomes couldn't pass up this deal. Uh, when you first were, were getting wind that this was going to get done and then you started seeing the digits trickle in, what was the first thing that, that came to your mind about the, the deal that was done? Yeah, we knew it was going to be a historic contract. Um, the length of it was crazy, though. Um, that that surprised me. Um, you know, 10 years, effectively 12 years was beyond kind of what we've seen in the past. But, um, you know, it's a deal that's going to give him security that he needs for his family in the long term. But it also gives the Chiefs flexibility now because, listen, you know, the average annual value of $45 million, 
like nukes the next closest AAV of 35 million. But, you know, at the end of the day, you do that, and you're willing to do that when you've got the best player in football and he's only 24 years old. So um, there's also mechanisms in there that allow the Chiefs to restructure and create cat room if needed. So Mahomes will clearly have a voice in that. Um, and, and, you know, at some point this contract is going to look like a bargain, you know. So I, I see how it benefits both sides, man, and um, both sides are really thrilled with it. Especially considering the trajectory of, of contracts, especially related to quarterbacks in the NFL, just continuing to go up and up and up. Good for the Chiefs to get this done uh, right now. It, most Chiefs fans like myself, Therese, their next question is what this does for, for Brett Veach, the general manager, on structuring a roster with $45 million on the books every year. The Chiefs were pretty savvy in the way that they, they, they maneuvered this deal. As you said, you mentioned a couple of things. What What's the biggest hurdle? that you see right now uh, other than just the salary cap hit that Mr. Veach has in assembling a team around Mahomes from here on out? I mean, honestly, just the 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 damage caused by COVID. Um, if there's less people in the fans this year, there will be less revenue league-wide, which means the owners have the ability to change the salary cap and lower it next year for like the first time in years, um, significantly at least. Um, and if that's the case, um, it's going to be difficult to like, you know, keep everyone around him that you're kind of used to. Now, the good news though is that the deal doesn't really change his money this year or next year. So, like, it was a no-brainer in that sense. Um, I think all teams across the league are worried about what's going to happen with the 2021 cap because they just they don't know. Um, in the long term, that deal is going to look like a deal. Um, because I think that, you know, before COVID was really ramping up, we were hearing, you know, the projections on the TV contracts when those get negotiated, the cap could eventually creep up into $300 million sooner rather than later, which means that Mahomes for 45 sounds great, right? But even then, when you're paying a quarterback a lot of money, you've really got to nail free agency, you've got to nail the draft, and you've got to develop draft picks, which are the best asset in football, right? Moldable, cheap, young talent for at least four years. So, um, And you're also going to lose guys in free agency. Like That's just how that goes. But, um, you know, from the Chiefs' perspective, I don't think it's a problem paying a quarterback big money. The problem is when you pay the wrong quarterback big money. And this is absolutely the kind of guy you pay along with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, without question. Very well said. And you mentioned Chiefs are already starting to see some of those free agents walk, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, able to keep a lot of that offense together. Therese, you mentioned two things that, that I want to hit on. First, uh, the free agent signings, and, and second, the draft. Let's start first with the free agent signings. The the two that are going to ring the loudest to Chiefs fans are the, are the signings that Veach was able to bring in last year with Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew. Uh, but the, obviously Taco Charlton brought in. They, they were very careful about who they brought in in free agency this year. What can you say about Brett Veach's ability to identify free agents that not only can have an impact but are also worth it in the pocketbook? Yeah, he's very highly regarded as a scout so across the league. So, um, you know, like even Taco Charlton, like I don't know if that – I don't know if they pay him long term, right? But this is a reasonable gamble because he had a great last year in Michigan – um, and it's his contract year, and you know what I say about the contract year. You know, um, you know it's undefeated. So I think um, 
you know, they're going to have to have more contract year guys like that. You know, you're going to have to look for value. They've shown an ability to find that kind of value. You know, I also think that at some point, um, at least until the cap explodes, they're not going to be able to sign guys like Sammy Watkins to those contracts, Anthony Hitchens. Like, those are guys you're going to have to develop. So the coaching staff and the coaching is going to have to be on point as well. But, um, you know, that's one of those good problems. And the other parts of this, as I mentioned, is the draft. The Chiefs just wrapped up their draft. Uh, obviously, last year, very successful draft as you look on the surface, uh, bringing in guys like McCole Hardman, who had a monster rookie year. Juan Thornhill is one of the better rookie safeties before his knee injury ended his season. And the Chiefs had some other rookies that came in and, and produced at a high level, were able to get on the field right away. What's Kansas City's philosophy when it comes to drafting players compared to what it could be? Is it the same, or are things going to have to change now with the Mahomes deal I mean you're always trying to find guys that are going to contribute so I think um, I think the philosophy stays the same I have a hard time believing they pay a running back long term though Um, and I'm not saying they are now I'm just saying you know I think that's one of those positions where you can find someone who can shine in Andy Reid's system so um, the only thing that might change about the philosophy is like don't be surprised if they play the comp pick game like the um, Patriots have, right? They've had their quarterback sign to a big money deal for years, but they've been really adept at finding additional value in their draft picks. And that's why, because when you pay a quarterback a lot of money, you need to have the, the, the cheap contributors, and the best way to do that is through the draft. So, you know, don't be surprised if they don't get caught up in the free agent game. They let guys walk. They win with the comp picks. They trade down. They stockpile the draft picks because, you know, when you can have a lot of draft picks, it gives you more bites at the apple as far as, um, you know, drafting goes. But it also just gives you more contributors who could potentially be on your roster on the cheap who actually fit the things you do and you can develop them. So, um, yeah, I, I think it I think it actually lends itself to, like, the smartest way to build teams, right, mainly from within – through the draft, pay your own guys. And I I would not be surprised to see that become kind of the focus instead of the way they spent in free agency the last few years. Therese Paler, senior NFL reporter for Yahoo Sports, host of the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with us here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Therese, whenever someone's atop the mountain, you, you have everybody else trying to pull them off the top of the mountain. What everybody's saying about the Chiefs right now is is kind of what we were alluding to earlier in the interview, that they're not going to be able to afford anybody around Patrick Mahomes. And right now the biggest hurdle for Kansas City is what to do with Chris Jones, one of the most dominant defensive tackles in the NFL right now. And everybody knows uh, how explosive the Kansas City offenses you brought up Sammy Watkins name earlier Uh, he was on record of saying he'll take a little bit of a pay cut to be on a team that's going to compete for championships for what you know about the personalities of some of these guys Therese like like a Chris Jones like a Tyreek Hill like a Travis Kelsey and even a Sammy Watkins who's you know quietly later in his career what about their personalities because everybody's a little bit different when it comes time to 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 sign and make their 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 next move uh could you see you know perhaps the Chiefs benefiting from but also uh the Chiefs just saying sorry we we just can't do it yeah it's it's difficult to assume guys are going to take hometown discounts with regularity um even guys who love where they're at at the end of the day they they generally make the best decision for the people they're most loyal to, which is typically their family, which means they get the most money they can. Um, 
despite what people say with the best intentions, like guys are going to do what's best for their families. And mainly most of the time that's take the most money they can get. Um, you know, as it relates to Jones, I do think they want to keep him. I've been consistent saying that. Um, but like, that's going to require a little creativity. Um, I do think it's possible, but it, it'll require some creativity. Um, and in the future, you know, guys are going to have to, they're going to have to be willing to work with the Chiefs to kind of make it work. And I just hope fans understand that just because some guys decide that they're not going to be willing to do that, um, that they need money, more money, the money that they can get elsewhere. I hope fans understand that that's not like about Chiefs Kingdom or about the Chiefs. It's about doing what's best for the people they're most loyal to and closest to, and that's their family. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's going to come a time where they lose some really good players in their primes because they just can't afford to pay them eventually. But, um, you know, one thing they do have going for them is that they're winning right now. Guys do value winning, and um, they also value being coached well because for their legacy. That's what matter for Mahomes, and I do think that'll matter to other guys. Though it's impossible to say who right now. Therese, we'll cut you loose with this one, and I want to broaden it up to just the National Football League now. What type of trend are we going to see? Do you expect to see with this Mahomes deal being uh, half a billion dollars and you know still some big quarterbacks out there to be signed in the future? What what type of stepping stone did did some of the uh, the agents and some of the players that have some leverage learn from this deal? And and what what did some of the so the National Football League front offices learn about the way that Chiefs were able to to put some things in here to help their salary situation? Yeah, I think people were most surprised by the length of the deal. Like 12 years, basically, is, that's, that's a long time. That's a lifetime deal. Um, I would not expect that going forward with other teams. Um, then again, other quarterbacks aren't in the situation that Mahomes is, where he loves Kansas City. He loves where, who he's being coached by. Um, and, and he loves this team. And he just wanted to have that done with and his future secure. So, um, you know, I, I, think other co- I think other quarterbacks would be – You'll see typical three years, four years, five years, that kind of deal. But they'll take his average annual value and use it to slot themselves just below that. And eventually they'll pass him, right? Eventually some guys will pass him. But um, not, not for a little while, at least. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Therese Paler, who's a, a senior NFL reporter for Yahoo Sports, be sure to check out his podcast wherever you watch your, your podcast or take in your podcast, Yahoo Sports NFL Podcast. He's the host of that. Uh, some good stuff on there. Check some of that stuff out today and a uh, really good product that they put out. Be sure to go check that out, Yahoo Sports NFL Podcast. Therese, thanks so much for jumping on with us and, and shedding some light on some of this situation. A historic deal in the NFL. Great job busting this thing open and covering it. Uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Happy to welcome into the program now Nebraska Chancellor Ronnie Green, very involved in helping the Big Ten make the decision today that we heard uh, with the announcement of moving to a conference-only schedule in 2020 for football. First of all, Chancellor, thanks for joining us. Has to feel good to have uh, some sort of resolution. I know a lot of talks, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in those rooms to come to a decision. How does it feel to finally have something out? Well, we certainly are glad to have a, a, a sign of where we're headed. I, I think, as everyone understands, we're kind of living in unprecedented times, and the uncertainty that comes both with what we've already experienced with COVID-19 and what lies ahead yet for us to meet that challenge and 
So there has been a huge amount of conversation, as you can understand, uh, really over the last three and a half months. Uh, uh, not only the loss of the spring sports season that we've already experienced for for those those student athletes in our program, but uh, looking forward to the fall and what that uh, can look like um, under the best medical guidance that we can have. Uh, so yes, uh, announcing today that it is the intent to move forward with a conference-only schedule for fall sports, um, for us, of course, football uh, and volleyball and cross-country, um, as well as soccer, are included in that. So uh, uh, it's a, it's nice to be at, at that point, at least, of uh, having the, the decision made of uh, going to a conference-only schedule. We all know and understand the number one priority for leaders at a university is the safety uh, and health of the, of the student athletes and just the student population in general. Other than the, the, the just the, the safety aspect of it and, and keeping everybody under your, under your eye healthy, uh, Chancellor, what are some of the other logistical things that went into this decision uh, that think this was the best way to, to approach moving forward still with some time left to, to figure out some of the logistics? Well, Ben, I think the the primary concern, of course, is the health and and well being of our student athletes, of our our coaches, our staffs, of officials that are involved directly in our sports on the field or in the arena. So, absolutely, the first first issue is is assuring that we can move forward in a safe way for for all of our all of our participants. But but the logistics involved in the uncertainty associated with the virus, the uncertainty associated geographically with it. You know, we've been very fortunate, as as you know, here that COVID-19 has been able to be managed as well as possible. Uh, In Nebraska, we're very different than a lot of the the geography, even within the Big Ten footprint, and certainly as you look around the country and what's happening now um, with the transmission of COVID-19 in, in many areas of the country, uh, so that the logistics associated with how to have best control over that safety were certainly a big part of this decision. Um, you know, we, we're not, I'll have to be the first to admit that that we much rather would have the season that we all plan to have to play the opponents that we have planned to play in all of these sports. You know, we're losing the opportunity to play three non-conference opponents uh, automatically in football, a number of non-conference opponents in the other sports. So think about Creighton and Stanford and volleyball, for example, for us. Uh, That's not something we're happy about. But it's something that we recognize that is the best decision uh, for the current circumstances that we're under. Thinking about travel, thinking about what happens if during the season there are there's need to adapt to the conditions that a particular opponent or opponents might have in their geography with what's happening with the virus. So we got had to think about that very carefully. So keeping it within the conference was the safest and most logistical um, best model for us to operate, if you will, to be able to confront all of that safely. Um, And that's more or less what the decision ultimately came down to. Uh, I hope, you know, that as we move to the other side of COVID-19, the sooner the better for all of us, obviously, that um, we'll be able to go back and rethink what we would have had 
with some of those non-conference opponents because we're going to miss playing them uh, very much so going to miss playing them uh, as well so uh, I think the right decision uh, we also said today that we understand that if a student athlete or student athletes choose to not participate in fall sports because of concerns over COVID-19 for them personally that we are honoring their commitment to their sport uh, and their scholarship support, and that's the expectation that we have across the conference as we work up with our student-athletes to protect them as well. So uh, I'm, I'm anxious, as all of us are, to know exactly what things are going to look like in the fall. Uh, we still have a lot of work to do. Uh, as we work out the details for the schedules of each of our sports uh, and make adjustments to those schedules to be able to do conference play. So work is, is heavily underway. There has been, as you can imagine, already going in up to this point, um, realizing that for football, for example, you know, September 5th, uh, which was our originally scheduled opening home game uh, for us and for most of our conference um, partners as well across the Big Ten. That's 56 days from now, so it's not a long time away, but in, in, COVID, in COVID-19 land, I think all of us can recognize 56 days is also a long time uh, in the way that things have evolved for us over time. So we're anxious to get, get after that planning and get the details nailed down as we move forward um, toward the fall. Nebraska Chancellor Ronnie Green with us here on Sports Nightly. Chancellor, you, you kind of just hit on it. Uh, I'm, I'm only imagining how difficult it must be to be uh, the one coming up with answers to these almost impossible questions of, of what to do in a situation like this, absolutely unprecedented situation. Uh, but you kind of mentioned the time frame. I, I feel like on this show every week we talk about there's plenty of time, there's plenty of time, there's plenty of time. Well, we've been saying that for about two months, and every right. week we say it, that week gets, gets shaved off and the time frame becomes much more difficult. Right. How, how much how much more difficult is that to make a decision knowing you kind of got that pressure of that word time working against you right now well uh, certainly i mean we're in uh, and again if you read the big 10 statement today which i know a lot of folks have uh, we made that commitment to move forward in our planning for a conference schedule for fall sports we also said we recognize this is a very fluid situation i think we all recognize that and even the last few weeks across the country have made us recognize that. So, you know, I, I, I feel this every day because you know, August 17th is the day we plan to have our first classes for our students back at UNL. And we're, you know, we're, we're counting the days there as well in terms of that planning that's, that's been underway for some time. Uh, it is true that when I say 56 days is a, is a long time in what I refer to as COVID-19 time, uh, just because it, it is so many things can happen in that fluid environment over, over a period of, of 10 days or two weeks. So 56 days is a long time. But we also recognize that if we do plan to start the conference on schedule, for fall sports, so in that early September time frame, that backing up there, you know, we've all been aware that uh, next week on the 13th was the start, planned start of um, additional uh, preparation for the for the football season. 
Um, and we're continuing to move forward in that way in a voluntary capacity through these coming weeks with scheduled practices, uh, team practices starting not too far behind that. So you, you do have to work back in those days to be able to be prepared with the logistics of how this will play out. So right now, a lot of work being done amongst the ads they've been uh, you should know the ads uh bill moose in our case and his counterparts across the big 10 they've been meeting daily since early march um in planning through all of the various things that have had to happen related to all of the sports and you can imagine over this last period of the last couple of months very heavily focused on thinking about what to do in the fall and how to do it. So now they are, they've got a lot of that work done, but they've still got a lot of thought that goes into what will that conference schedule look like. Uh, so for football, our nine regularly scheduled conference games that we already had in place, how will that need to be modified or adjusted uh, to fill out a season, recognizing that we're now losing um, home games, three home games for us. Um, uh, taking off that non-conference schedule. So there's a lot of thinking and planning going into what that final schedule will look like. I think we can expect to see that over the next few weeks um, be finalized. And uh, um, now, now, now the emphasis is there. Um, where where we'll be um, in terms of final schedule. So uh, excited to be able to move forward at that level. Uh, again, fully realizing it's a very fluid situation and that our hope is that we'll be in Memorial Stadium in September uh, with the start of that football season and in, in, uh, in the start of the volleyball season and soccer season and cross-country seasons for our student-athletes. Yeah, and, and it would be so good for everybody just to, to have some normalcy and obviously for the student-athletes to have some normalcy too and not having to worry of uh, about uh, contracting something like this and uh, just having to make those decisions. I'm only imagining how difficult that may be. Very admirable work, you and the Chancellor and, and your colleague Bill Moose and, and it really everybody around the Big Ten. That was one thing I noticed in that Big Ten statement that I released today, just how many entities and bodies working together to try and come up with right. answers to these impossible questions. Chancellor, uh, first of all, just congrats on making a decision and coming together and, and getting something done. As, I, as I've said before, I, I can't imagine having to come up with answers to these questions. And uh, it's admirable that, that you and so many others are working so hard to, to make well, some normalcy yeah, no, and being ben, safe one, at the same time. Yeah. Well, Ben, one thing that I would say is that um, – you know we're we're in a very good conference in the Big Ten, and and the attention to how to do this the right way has been very high. Certainly that way nationally, but it's been very high in terms of all of our conversations and everything we have talked about and have done. Much like we're doing across the university as a whole, and thinking about how we move forward um, as an institution here has been done firmly with the science of the medicine and the medical uh, advice in, in hand. And we've been very fortunate in the Big Ten uh, early on in this process. As I think you know, we, we formed a task force on emerging infectious disease. Uh, Chris Craddeville, Dr. Chris Craddeville from the University of Nebraska Medical Center and the Global Health Security Center uh, there has led that effort. Uh, for the Big Ten, we've relied very heavily on their counsel as we have thought uh, forward and and you know so it it has been a true team effort to get here but we are we are looking forward with great hope 
to what we hope will be a, um, a modified season for our, our uh, student athletes in the fall, but, uh, but one that we hope will be a very successful and great season as well. Very well said. Chancellor Ronnie Green with us here on Sports Nightly. Chancellor, thank you so much for the time. And on behalf of everybody uh, waiting for an answer, we, we thank you for, for your hard work and, and, and Athletic Director Moose, President Ted Carter, and everybody around the league as well for your hard work. Thank you so much for shedding some light on a tough situation for us tonight. You bet. And as always, go Big Red. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Sponsored by Bathfitter, for the beautiful bath you've always wanted, kickstart your bathroom remodel by visiting bathfitter.com today. Now, here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. And it is our favorite time of the week. We save it for the end of the week to send us off to the weekend in the in the right mind spirit. Mr. Teddy Greenstein from the Chicago Tribune, back at home from a little hiatus, man. How was the uh, the R and R? Did you did you get some good stuff in while you were uh, on a little break? Uh, well, hello, Daddy O. Good to actually <laughs> see you, man. This is a good new right. format. Usually, I can't see you and Greg. So, uh, so glad we got that. Live from so, my so basement. Something- some things in life are getting better. Not, not that many, unfortunately, with the news today about the Big Ten. But, yeah, I mean, I'm on a three-week furlough right now from the Tribune. Um, so trying to take advantage with uh, some family time and uh, certainly playing some golf. My game's getting worse, but nobody cares. And uh, taking a golf trip next week. But uh, tough uh, news from the Big Ten today. Not at all surprising. Uh, I think we've been – talking about this week after week it's been trending this way and uh, i'm sure we'll get into it yeah you may or may not have had some uh, intel on this um a couple of days ago uh, but the it is announced big 10 did say conference only and a couple of caveats in there too teddy that if they can play uh barring the health and safety they kind of threw those you know one line in at the end and then they snuck another line in there too um, if we can play. So starting first with uh, with yeah. your reaction to this, as you said, there's a lot of smoke around this for a long time and, and yeah. finally some fire with what the conference announcing it today. Um, I mean, what what type of step do you suppose this is for the Big Ten being the first ones to, to come out and make this decision? You know, and, and a lot of this follows uh, the Ivy Leagues, and we're not surprised. I mean, you know, it started um, – well, honestly, I mean, if you want to go back a few weeks, and we've been talking about it on the show with Greg, when I when I spoke to kind of a higher-up Big Ten official, and he had said a few weeks ago, feeling less optimistic every day, and uh, at that point he thought 50-50 that college football has played at all. And then since then, you know, Harvard cancels on-campus classes, and I think follow the nerds is something we all need to do. Obviously, Harvard was one of the first to shut down in March, they often know what's going on. And if there's no on-campus classes at Harvard, you worry about the Big Ten. But football-wise, um, you know, something that I had thought about a while ago is, like, if you're if you're Northwestern, do you really want to take the chance and play Morgan State? Like, what kind of COVID testing does Morgan State have? If you're Illinois, do you want to play UConn? UConn lost $40 million uh, last year in its athletic budget. So how can you count on schools like that following really good protocols? And then – couple other factors 
uh, you know, when you cancel the non-conference, you have more control over the schedule. So now the Big Ten can really just sort of tear it up and start all over and do it exactly how the league wants. Now, what I'd also heard a couple days ago, and this is going to be very interesting to see how it plays out, is is it 10 games over 10 weeks or more likely 10 games over 13 weeks? 10 games over 13 we weeks satisfies the TV partners because obviously there's 13 weeks of content and also gives a few sort of buffer weeks. Then you have some weeks there where if games have to get canceled or postponed, you can slide them to those weeks. Now, I think this is all just an, you know, just uh, an activity and you know, banging our heads against the wall because I don't think there's going to be college football anyway, but I think you want to at least try. You want to hope there's a breakthrough uh, soon. And you want to still have a schedule. You know, one thing I talked about with a, a coach the other day was these coaches want there to be a schedule. They, they don't want a full cancellation because if there's a full cancellation now, what's going to happen to their players? You know, their players now have structure. They now mm -hmm. are all or most doing the right things in terms of, you know, not so in terms of social distancing and staying out of bars. If you just say, all right, football's canceled, what do you think the players are going to do? So they want there to be a schedule even if it gets canceled at a future date. Yeah, I mean, it makes so much sense uh, on so many different levels, um, especially there what you were saying about, about the structure. Uh, you know, I was reading an article today yet that said, um, is it really better for the college students to, to not have football when, you know, the, they're, they're, uh, they're under no umbrella. They're going to be out doing their own thing as well. Um, Teddy, right. I, I, I like the fact that the Big Ten is a pioneer in this. Is that I say a pioneer, but there, there's no doubt within talks within other leagues that they're probably have at least at the very, very least thought about doing the same thing. But, right. um, you know, with, with, with having to take this step, how much of this do you feel is that window that, you know, if you and I were talking about this in March and we may well have have had this conversation in March, something that we would have talked about in March is how much time we have. It's a good thing that we have until September to figure this out. Yeah. Well, we don't exactly have until September anymore because that window is closing. How much of this is the powers that be going, okay, uh, well, we, if, if we do have a season, we got to get camp going, so we need to put together something. How much of it was, was that of we got we to gotta come up with something and we got to start implementing this if it is indeed going to happen? I mean, yeah, we're running against the clock, but I think more so we're running against the charts right now. And, you know, this country was looking pretty good for a while in terms of containing COVID. And I think, uh, you know, maybe about late May, June 1st, everything was trending the right way. People were feeling optimistic about college football. And then you've got certain states that, you know, were just incredibly irresponsible, just basically pretended that coronavirus wasn't happening. And now we've got 100,000 cases a day or near, near that. So, uh, you know, don't blame Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner. Don't blame anyone with the league. If anybody wants to blame somebody, you know, blame all the, the states that were totally irresponsible and didn't take this seriously. And as a result, you know, we're probably not going to have college football. Maybe the SEC is going to try. But the problem, as you know, Ben, is, you know, the concept of a bubble. You can do mm -hmm. it with the NBA. You, you know, that's obviously fewer teams, way fewer players, and kind of a shorter period of time. I think you can probably do it with the NFL. 
you can basically tell all these guys, this is your livelihood. If there are no games, you don't get paid. So either spend your time at the football complex or at your house. But you just can't do it with college athletes. You can't tell, uh, you know, a sophomore at Wisconsin, hey, uh, don't go out. Don't go to a classroom. Uh, don't go to your dorm. I, I mean, it's just kind of not feasible. So we're all still hoping there's going to be college football. But I, I think this announcement today is kind of a preview of what's to come. Uh, some games have been canceled. And again, it's worth it to try. Maybe there'll be a miracle cure. Maybe there'll be a, a vaccine long before others think there will be. I mean, on that front, I'm hearing some good news, potentially. I think there's a chance it's going to be October from a, a doctor friend of mine who, who believes he's pretty tapped in. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we've, Gene Smith said it, you know, we, we, we've been losing this battle in the last, uh, last couple of weeks and last month or so. And I think this is really a result of that. Teddy, let's just assume for one second that best-case scenario, there is a season. This format that was laid out by the Big Ten today is going to happen. We're going to have a 10-game conference season, and everything's going to be great. I think there are two points that I want to bring up with you before we hang up. The first one is what happens to all of the schools that – and I I can't give this person credit because I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, but it wasn't me that came up with this idea, but Bowling Green, for example, is – supposed to make 2.2 million dollars from playing two big 10 schools well those are both taken off the table what type of repercussions does it have for those schools that are already dealing with a mess financially but now they can't bank on a good percentage of their athletic budget uh, by playing these giants ben i had talked to sean frazier at northern illinois he's the athletic director there at niu um, maybe a month ago and he had told me you know his guarantee uh, the Huskies were going to receive $1.1 million from Iowa for playing this year. And to put that in perspective, NIU's entire athletic budget is $30 million. Mm, so man. just from that game alone, I think at 3.7% or something like that. And, um, you know, that was an early concern of a lot of folks in the Big Ten. Oh, my God, if we cancel these games, we're writing these million-dollar checks. And, and what are we doing? You know, I think there's going to be – Certainly some checks written, but I think a lot of those games will just get postponed until future seasons. And it's the price you have to pay um, because obviously right now, conference only is an absolute best case scenario. And right, it completely stings for uh, the MAC schools, for the FCS, probably for the Sun Belt if they get games canceled by the SEC and ACC. Um, so much, uh, <laughs> I hate to be so down, but just so much financial misery ahead. I mean, you saw Stanford just canceled a bunch of uh, teams. I mean, they were at 36. So certainly they had, um, if you want to look at it, they certainly had room to cut. Obviously awful for the athletes and parents involved. But, uh, you know, you wonder some of these smaller schools, are are they only going to have basically football and men's basketball? Are are athletic departments going to be run strictly like businesses where if that program doesn't make money, it's no longer going to exist. Uh, Hopefully these are all just short-term issues and a lot of short-term pain and we'll be some kind of back to normal um, late this year, early next year. 
Well, let's just let's just finish it out with the same tone that we've had for the interview in the last <laughs> eight minutes or so. Um, here, here's another thought that I had today. Let's say that you know if we're if we're still assuming that it's going to be a a ten game conference schedule and yeah. um, you know we we make it through it. But I, from from what I can tell, there are a lot of experts that are, that are predicting another wave of this. How do you handle? A postseason with, with this. How do you handle a conference championship? How do you handle uh, sending teams to the postseason? Do you have a postseason? If you're not having a postseason, why are you playing? Type of thing. I mean, wh what are your thoughts there? You're gonna make me cry, man. I know <laughs> this should be like one of those uh, national newscasts where at least they end on uh, you know they show penguins in the zoo or something, something to <laughs> to give people a little a little higher spirit. But, no, I think, Ben, all that stuff is just not determined right now. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you, you got your baby. I mean, you're not planning uh, the college right now, right? You're not, you're, not, you're not doing college admissions because it's just one thing at a time. Yeah. And I think for uh, Big Ten football, it's the same thing. They're just trying to get everyone tested and see if they can pull off voluntary workouts followed by mandatory workouts see if they can get it right in terms of you know the athletes then who test positive how they quarantine see if they can suit up for week one before they would worry about a second wave and conference championship games um you know maybe there's a plan out there I know there's obviously some people are saying make a plan for spring football. Other people, including me, think that's not feasible at all. I saw Urban Meyer's, you know, uh, comments on that. He thinks it's a ridiculous idea. I, I tend to agree. So one day at a time, my man, hopefully they'll uh, hopefully they'll get some workouts in and maybe there'll actually be some football in September. Yeah, we will see. Okay, well, let's let's try and finish it on a positive note here. And I mean, I'm yes. really scraping at the bottom of the barrel. I know you're a food guy. When you go to the East Coast, what's 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 the the one or two things that you got to eat when you're when you're back in the homeland and you teach the kiddos that okay, this is something that we do as a Greenstein family when we're out here. We eat. We make sure to eat this. Well, so when I'm in uh, New York City, when I'm in Manhattan, it's two things: it's bagels and bialis, the best in the world. And then it's it's pizza, and and you know it, it's a proper New York slice if you can fold it. You take it. <laughs> a lot of people sort of take one of those cheap napkins and sort of blot out the extra grease on there, and yeah. then you fold it up. So that's that, that that certainly has to happen. And then other spots in the East, like where I was, you go to this roadside place. It's all outdoor seating, and and you get lobster rolls. And uh, you can get the hot, which is really just lobster and, you know, drawn butter. Or you get the cold <laughs> where they mix in some, uh, some celery and mayo, and both are just outstanding. So back in the Midwest now, I had an Italian beef yesterday. I hope you and Greg have had uh, Italian beef when you come to town because that stuff is good. We have, and unfortunately, uh, you know, this was supposed to be a fun thing. It's now a depressing thing because I realize I don't know when the next time I'm going to be able to smash a Portillo's dog uh, in Chicago is, um, unfortunately, with the, with this whole deal. But, um, well, Teddy, I, we, I did my best. I did get to see one smile from your face uh, based on the Zoom call at the end, so I suppose we are finishing on somewhat of a positive note. Um, do your best, man. Hang in there. We appreciate the time, and uh, we'll wait for the next bombshell to drop, which I'm sure will be fairly soon. Thanks a lot, man. My pleasure, Ben. Take good care. See you guys. 
it's summer. The Huskers are sharpening their skills with seven-on-seven seven drills. We're keeping Greg and Ben in shape during the off-season with some seven-on-seven seven of our own. Seven topics. A seven-nation army couldn't hold me back. From sports. From Manning, seven touchdown passes. To pop culture. I never joke about my work, 007. It's time to go seven-on-seven on Sports Nightly. So, avid listeners of the show and of this segment specifically may remember Turnaround Thursdays. We haven't had those at all this summer, and we're doing something similar. It's not exactly a Turnaround Thursday. It's a twirling Thursday, a a triple host Thursday. Haven't come up with the best name for it yet. We're still workshopping that. But the way it's going to work tonight, folks, is that all three of us, Ben, Josh, and myself, Austin, have prepared questions. So I'm going to handle questions one, four, and seven. Josh will take questions two and five. And then Ben will have questions three and six. New format. You guys ready? Yeah, we're man down. Greg got a red card. He's out of here. So we're we're, we're playing. We're playing man down. I was going to say, do you think Greg's going to be upset that we're doing turnaround Thursday without him? Like maybe like that was his brainchild. So I mean, mean, it's too bad for him for not being here. That's true. So, that's, like on our screen on here, there's three of us, and there's a little red card in the top left. That that's Greg. <laughs> Two yellows. He's out of here. Player misconduct. Greg might be upset, but Brett is probably absolutely ecstatic. You've used a soccer reference multiple times in one segment. Oh yeah, you're welcome, Brett. Hopefully, so you found your way out of your closet. <laughs> so I think that's you know net neutral. That's good enough. But. From soccer to our first topic in the NBA. Some teams have already arrived in Orlando while others are still making their way there, but members of teams already inside that Disney World bubble have been posting pictures of their food from their first night, and most of them are unimpressed with the offerings that look like airplane food almost. So you guys have gone on road trips for Husker sports, and even if you haven't had to stay in a bubble, uh, if you were going to choose where in Big Ten country you would want to be quarantined based solely off the food selection, which place would be at the top or bottom of your list? It's got to be Chicago. I mean, we were just yeah. talking with Teddy about food a little bit ago, and he mentioned Chicago pizza. Well, I mentioned New York pizza, but I'm not talking about Chicago pizza and Portillo's, the the uh, the Italian beef sandwiches, the hot dogs, the sausages. I mean, that's a pretty dang good place to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think outside the box and go with something different, but that's like that was the first thing that popped into my head too, Ben, was Chicago because there's just there's so many different options. But like I'm a huge, huge pizza guy, and deep dish is at the top of that list. So like that's basically the uh, capital of deep dish pizza. So that's at the top of the list. I'm trying to think of other Big Ten cities that I that I love. So it, um, it's I mean what like so. I'm guessing New Jersey, like you can't count New York City in New Jersey because I they're different states. I was not including Piscataway as part of New York, no. It's a, it's a short plane, uh, train ride, but it's still technically a different city, and it's even in a different state. So I don't, I don't – if you could count New York, that's in the conversation, but Piscataway, not a lot of great options <laughs> there. There is one really p- good place I like to eat at. I could, find, I could tell you one good place to eat at all of them, but in terms of options and like where you want to be, it's got to be either I'll, it's got to be Chicago one, Madison, Wisconsin, probably two, is in that conversation. And just because of pure size, Columbus, Ohio has got to be uh, got to be in the conversation because there's so many places to eat in Columbus. What about like College yeah, Park, I, DC? 
I don't know DC well enough. Uh, Fair. And, and the College Park area is interesting because it's because we do most of the time. So you stay in Greenbelt or you stay in you don't actually you stay in one of the I wouldn't even call it a burb, but you you know you stay in one of those outer little cities that are uh, that are not technically even in College Park. So I don't like when the actual College Park College Town. I don't really know much about it. Fair yeah. enough. I. The ones that you mentioned, Ben, the the Columbus and, and what was your other one that you said? Wisconsin. The, Madison. Wisconsin, yeah, Madison. I haven't been to either of those. So I my second one would probably be Minneapolis because I have been. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, oh how do we miss Minneapolis? So many great steakhouses. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Well. I'm, my first topic of the night is actually very similar to Austin's. As he mentioned, NBA getting ready to start back up later this month. The NBA using the bubble down in Orlando at Disney World. Players started showing up over the past couple days. There was a picture of Phoenix Suns big man DeAndre Ayton carrying a monitor along with some other bags. And we can assume that he'll be using that monitor for gaming. Uh, so what other non-essential item would you be sure to bring if you were headed to the NBA bubble for the next couple months? I hate to steal his, but it's got to be like an Xbox or something. Something to occupy my time. Like you could bring a board game, you could bring books, like you could bring other stuff. But it, to me, that would only hold your attention for so long. With, with an Xbox, you get all the... The video services, Netflix, Hulu, whatever. You obviously got the games itself. I mean, it's a pretty multi-purpose tool. Totally. I mean, that's that's the obvious one. I mean, you might even be able to fire up the Kindle app on the Xbox if you try hard enough. But, I, I mean, yeah, an Xbox would probably be number one on my list. I do have a good number of books to get to. I've been asking for books from my Amazon list for the last know, two, three, four years. I've got a, a full shelf of books not on a shelf right now that I would have to get through. So I think with the length of the bubble, I would just take what, can, what constitutes my bookshelf, I guess. Awesome. All right, well, mine kind of spins off of Josh a little bit. I mean, we're just, we're just kind of pulling off of each <laughs> other. Um, I'm going to the video game world. Barstool Sports has their own streaming uh, Twitch channel, just like we do here at the Husker Sports Network. One of their personalities uh, plays shooter games. His name's Smitty. Uh, he's not good at any of these shooter games. He was the one, some may remember the game Fortnite. He was the one that played like a couple thousand straight matches without winning. And, and so he has, he has taken his lack thereof of talents to Call of Duty, and he... Uh, he vowed to play Call of Duty until he got a, a victory, got a win, and he made it 24 straight hours of streaming without <laughs> a victory, and had to tap out due to uh. to other, uh, obviously to, to nourish himself. And I believe he said he needed to take the dog for a walk, but and his hands were like legit shaking. So, uh. what's one activity you you feel like you could actually do for 24 straight hours? Um, I think that I could walk for 24 straight hours. Like if I could continu continuously walk as long as someone, you know, could hand me a bottle of water or I had, a, you know, a backpack with food in it or water in it. I think I could walk. Obviously, my feet would hurt really bad at the end of it. But that's something that I think I could probably make it through. I'm with you. I'm along the similar lines, but not just walking. I would have to say hiking because I couldn't just like walk my neighborhood for 24 Man. hours. I would, I would have to be up in, in the mountains, you know, up somewhere scenic. I don't even care if I'm carrying my own backpack with snacks and water in it. I love hiking. We, my fiance's family and I 
uh, went on a hike one time in, in Colorado, and it was four hours, only felt like one or two. It was so cool to see all the sights. I love walking trails and just kind of adventuring, jumping out into, you know, a river on some rocks in the middle and then jumping back. That kind of stuff is fun. I'd like to think I could do that for 24 hours. Your guys' legs are going to be flipping sore doing that. <laughs> going to be absolutely ripped, I- though. I have to be doing something, though, that's not sitting. Like, I'm trying to think yeah. of something else. Yeah. But it's it can't be too strenuous, either. Like, you can't be running around or playing a sport. Like, But I can't be sitting, otherwise I'd fall asleep. Even if it was playing video games or watching whatever, like, I would fall asleep. In my right. advanced stage, I can't play video games for more than two, three hours at a time without getting... Not really, you know, bored's the answer. Getting, I don't know, I just can't do it anymore. I used to be able to... Your advanced age. <laughs> Come on. I, I mean... Yes, my advanced stage. My brothers give me crap for it all the time. So, well, Ben, you teased the uh, the strong legs Josh and I would have after our 24 hours of walking or hiking. So we'll stick with the fitness trend here for number four. There was a video on Instagram and Twitter earlier this week of a guy outside his house doing some push-ups just in his front lawn. And, you know, that seems normal until the camera pans to reveal a lizard doing push-ups along with the dude from his windowsill. So if you guys could work out with one animal, have their workout <laughs> routine, what would it be? Man, I'd say something like a sloth, like something where I'm not required to exert a lot of energy. Like imagine, imagine having to like, like have the same physical exercises like a gorilla. Like we've all seen gorillas at the zoo and how active they are and how strong they are. Like, like I'm out on that for sure. (laughs) Yeah. See, that's I'm I'm trying to think of something that yeah, that's kind of in my wheelhouse some that would you know kind of be along the same lines maybe like an antelope josh so something that's like a distance runner yeah but it'd be way too fast for me like they can probably run you know 30 miles an hour i can't do that i although you know what the chimp like a chimp or a gorilla like one of those kinds of animals might be you know like motivating they might be able to do some things that you know you can't do but they're gonna you know make you motivated to get better well, what happens if so. you, you don't live up to their expectations then what happens well, I mean, if then they're gonna physical, be mad you're at you. in trouble They'll, right that's true they might hurt you i don't know like, I, I have a full workout plan so i'm doing arm day with a gorilla i'm doing core okay. with a snake he's got to like wiggle i mean they got to have a great core with oh, no yeah. arms and legs leg day with a kangaroo and i'm with you ben on the recovery like a sloth maybe a koala yeah, there you go. Hey, I'm glad you've thought it through. Awesome. That's good. Yeah, Heck yeah. Appreciate all over that. <laughs> all right. Topic number five here tonight. There was news coming out yesterday from Japan. A number of theme parks are opening up in that country, but they have several new rules to help reduce the spread of coronavirus, including one that discourages screaming while on roller coasters. So one park even told the riders to, quote, scream inside your heart. So uh, what's the best roller coaster you guys have been on, and what kind of roller coaster rider are you? Are you a screamer? Do you have your hands up? What, what do you guys look like when you're riding the roller coaster? Full disclosure, I'm not a big roller coaster guy. Okay, like, I never I never have been. So <laughs> let, me, let me back you up about 18 years. So I don't know. I was like 12 or 13 or something, and um, one of my buddies asked me, to go to worlds of fun with them and i'm like i'm not just gonna not go to worlds of fun and so i'm like sure i'll go i didn't really tell him that i didn't like roller coasters until we were there and so i like i kind of like chickened out on a couple i'm just like yeah i don't i don't think this this one's for me i think i think i'm gonna pass but i finally uh went ahead and jumped on i don't know if you if you guys are familiar with worlds of fun but the orient express 
and that's not one that you exactly ease into. Like that's an upside down one and a curvy one. That's like not a kitty roller coaster at all. And so I'm like, all right, well, we just kind of dipped a toe in the water. And so I, I went on roller coasters that day, and then I felt like crap like the whole rest of the day because of the motion sickness. And I never really had like a full day of coasters since. I hate, hate, hate roller coasters. They are absolutely not for me. I, my family went to Worlds of Fun. I don't remember how long ago. I didn't get on a single one. So you did better than me there, Ben. Um, my buddy and I went down to Florida. We rode one at Universal. Uh, peer pressure is <laughs> quite the thing sometimes. It is. My fiance got me on the Patriot at Worlds of Fun last summer. I, I'm not a screamer. I, I keep my eyes open, but my, my knuckles are white. I white knuckle yeah. the entire way, I, just trying to hold the, the screams in. I, yeah, I, I can't I'm, let go. I can't do it. Definitely yeah. not a screamer. I'm definitely not a screamer. That's okay. Well, I, that's good. Yeah, I'm not a big roller coaster guy myself. Uh, the worst one I ever went on though is at Six Flags in St. Louis. It was this one that was wooden, and so like it was made out of all wood, and so it felt like yeah. the most unstable thing right. of all time. Like it felt like it was gonna fall apart and crumble at any minute. So there was that's... one at Worlds of Fun that was a wood one. I think it, it might have been called the Timberwolf that they had it shut down because yeah. of there was all kinds of like issues with it. I think the biggest one I went on at Worlds of Fun was the Mamba. I mean, that thing was huge when it first came out and it was a pretty big one, but I I, yeah. I did go on the Mamba, which was which is impressive for me. We can all agree that the worst ride ever at any carnival ever is the one where you're stuck to the wall and you spin around and the floor goes out from under you. <laughs> never done fair. it. It seems horrible in theory, we'll never Oh, do it's it. awful. Absolutely awful. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> Is it me? It's Back you. to me? It's you. Back to you, man. All right. Well, first of all, I have to give a big shout-out to uh, a good buddy, Brad Coley, who worked at Husker Vision for a long time. Just a, the best guy you'll ever meet. Uh, his wife, Ashley, was a great softball player at Nebraska. Uh, Josh, member of the softball team. Just just an awesome dude. He posted on social media that he hit his first hole-in-one uh, in golf. Uh, I, think it, I believe it was late last week. And so... Uh, so Brad ac- accomplished a feat that not many golfers get to get to accomplish. So my question to you guys is, what sport feat w- did you never accomplish that you wanted to? Whether scoring a touchdown, hit a home run, uh, something along those lines. What what's something that you've never accomplished in your sporting career that you would have liked to? That's a good question. I'll probably go baseball with this. I actually did hit a couple of home runs, so I can't go with that. Um, Although it was, I only hit two, so it wasn't like I hit that many. I'll say uh, pitching a complete game. So, like, I mean, back in Legion Ball, games were, you know, seven innings. And I made it probably – the closest I got was into the seventh inning and got at least one out but then had to be pulled out. So I would say pitching a complete game. I could go way off, you know, off the – grid here and say pitching like a no hitter or something but i was never even close to that so that wasn't even probably attainable (laughs) or like scoring a goal in hockey like none of us play hockey right exactly so that was one thing that i thought could have happened was pitching you know a complete game or even a shutout and that never actually happened so that's mine i was tantalizingly close to a couple home runs i one hopped 410 dead center once and i hit the base of the wall and left center for another so home runs up there but I think for me, it would have to be a triple-double in basketball. The closest I got was nine points, nine rebounds, and five assists. A triple-double would have just been so freaking cool. Never could quite get there. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't even know where to guess my best stat line <laughs> and, and basketball was. 
man. All right. Ben, so. would yours be a pick six? Because you had remember you felt was that I did get one. I, I've gotten oh, one did. before, okay. just okay. not okay. just not at, at the varsity level. Um, but gotcha. yeah, that's that is a story I'd rather not tell again <laughs> on the air. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> All right. To prevent Ben from telling that story, we'll move on to our final topic here. Uh, number seven. So recently on Twitter, there's been a trend that challenges people to describe their favorite whatever as boringly as possible. So some of the things include like gifts, movies, and sporting events. And it's that last one I want you guys to describe. Could you describe your favorite sports memory as boringly as possible for us? Chiefs score more points than Niners win a Super Bowl. <laughs> that's a good one. I honestly, that's probably the the same same memory like that's the first one that came to mind too is the Chiefs so I'm gonna be boring and say the same thing I'm not good at coming up with that sort of thing on the fly either by the way though I hate I've hated that like that's been so overdone the last couple of days and I know it's because of like people are trying to do clever things like that but that got old after the first like two times I saw it yeah especially the movie ones like right. movie ones are kind of kind of dumb in my opinion yeah my and I know like I'm being a probably a Debbie Downer but I <laughs> Coronavirus is getting to you, Josh. It's affecting your attitude, which is normally so positive. Just wrecked it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) All right, boys. Is that it? We all done? That's all seven. That was good. good. That was a good team effort. Seven on seven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if Greg ever dips out on a Thursday again, we'll have to. We'll have to. We'll have to. First of all, Austin's got to come up with a name with the triple threat threat Thursday or something, something along those lines, and um, you know, Greg will just be handed another red card. So. Good stuff there. Seven on seven this week. Thanks, boys. Austin and Josh for contributing on that.